You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Oh, it's just another good day here in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's snowing and it's cold and I have to go to work and blah, blah, blah. However, the Packers won. And that was one of those games that, although there were certain things that you wish it just wasn't so hard. You know, why did you have to make it so hard? It didn't have to be that way. At the same time, when that game is over, it's one of those things you just stare at the person next to you and say, dude, that was a good game. That was a great football game. And although I think there are legitimate complaints, um, maybe we should reel a few of them in. And, and something that I am fond of doing, maybe give a little bit of perspective um, in a certain couple areas. All right, so for example... If your critique is that Blake Martinez is still not doing a good job, I'm with you. I got nothing. There's no perspective I can offer you. Depending on how off the rails you are on Blake, I mean, look, he's, he's not doing a good job. Um, he's not going to be getting a big contract from the Packers. I don't, outside of that, I, I got nothing to offer you. Um, I, I'm, I can't guarantee he won't be with the team, but it's going to be for a very friendly contract. And considering somebody would probably be willing to pay more than the Packers, and, you know, the Packers are never afraid to go with young, unproven talent, guys like Oren Burks, and they'll probably draft another fourth or fifth round linebacker to throw in that mix that isn't going to be very productive. It's probably just going to, he probably just won't be with the team. But there are other areas where let's just kind of slow down a little bit. So that'll be one thing that'll get done. I want to go over generally just sort of some of the stats and information, some other little thoughts that I had. There are no grades or anything quite yet. That'll be tomorrow. It'll be PFF day. But also, there was a certain competition that was run, and supposedly, at the conclusion of this, somebody's name was supposed to be drawn, and they're going to be winning a replica Lombardi trophy with Leroy Butler's signature on it. And supposedly a name was picked, and supposedly they gave me the name, and supposedly I'll be reading that name after our first ad break. So make sure you stay tuned at least that long. I mean, if you're just here for the intros, um, just just hang in there. I mean, I get it. It's pretty great. But stick around for a little bit of the content. You might not regret it. And that is a guarantee. That is a Pack Daddy guarantee right there. <laughs> I'm going to make a commercial out of that. Facebook ad. Check out the Packernet podcast. You might not regret it. I guarantee it. I feel like there needs to be a southern drawl with that. I don't know. But anyways, we're going to be doing that giveaway. Uh, we're, we're almost to 600. We're over uh, 550, I think, so 40-ish something. Let me just look. Just saying random numbers. Acting like we're dealing with dial-up internet here. 552, so we got 48 more to go. That can be done today. We can do another giveaway tomorrow. Sound like a deal? I need 48 people with an Instagram account that are not following Packernet Podcast to just whip out your phone, pause this, wait wait for the instructions so you don't get confused, pause the show, click on the Instagram icon, click on the search, type in Packernet Podcast, push the follow button. Done. I need 48 volunteers. Please and thank you very much. And we will do another giveaway tomorrow. Uh, that will be the... Johnny Holland giveaway? I'm just I'm saying random things today. I can't remember anything. I should probably verify that, but I feel like that's right. It's a signed 8x10 uh, photograph, signed, pretty sure, by Johnny Holland. Possibly Johnny Jolly. Maybe John Coon. Pretty sure not John Harbaugh. That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Tell you what, follow me on Instagram. You'll find out when you win, and I send it to you. Otherwise, again, please remember the GoFundMe campaign that we've got going on, Packer fans against cancer. 
Thank you, thank you so much to Patrick and Oscar. I appreciate everybody that has given to this. A special thank you to Oscar, who donated $100 for this. He is the second $100 donation that we've received. Several, several big money uh, donations, 50 from Bruce, uh, 50 from Adam, the 95 from Brian. I'm pretty blown away by the, the generosity that I've seen. Makes me feel incredibly good about what uh, what we're doing. Again, this has got nothing to do with with me or the podcast. This is just something that I wanted to organize for all of us to be able to do and to be able to give back because a lot of us are in very good situations. And I'm very excited to be able to show the generosity of Packer fans to be able to, to give back, especially for something as important as this. Again, the donations will be going to the Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation. So if you got, it doesn't matter, it obviously doesn't have to be 100, could be 10, could be 6, could be 5. I think it can be less than 5. I could be wrong. I have not seen one less than 5, and I keep saying even if it's a dollar, maybe that's not an option. I'm not sure. But just go check it out. If you have the ability to do so, every little bit counts. We're over $500 already, only 10 days in. So raising a little over $50 a day is pretty incredible. If we continue at this pace, we'll be nearly at $3,000. I've only set a $1,000 goal um, to get the money out by Christmas. But again, I definitely don't want to limit it to 1000 That was just, it was kind of just a number that I felt was attainable, but I, you know, didn't want to undervalue it, didn't want to overvalue it. I felt like that was an, an attainable goal, and it definitely seems like we're, we're on pace to get there. As long as we don't take our foot off the gas, all gas, no brake, you know how it goes. Um, I think we're going to be able to do something really, really awesome, so I'm excited about that. Anyways, why don't we take a little break, we'll jump back in, we'll talk about the giveaway, and then uh, have a little insight into this fantastic Packers team that is 8-2. and two. So I've been to some pretty cool games in my life, but i got to be honest, that, um, that game looked amazing. I mean, the, the importance of the game, the number of big plays and exciting plays, the atmosphere, where, I mean, it, it wasn't negative 10. It, it, it was a borderline perfect game because it's it's tolerably cold, but it's, and it's not like a, a necessarily a, bla- I mean, it was, it was like a snow globe, man. It was just, it would, picturesque. It was perfect. The Packers win. The Packers are eight and two. What an unbelievable game to be able to go to. And I, I'm, I'm so happy to be in the position that I'm in. I'm so happy that, that uh, Jacob convinced me to get onto Instagram and help me out with that because I got so many people sending me videos of their their time at the stadium so I get to see videos of what's going on there. It looks absolutely incredible and I I just again I I like being at home. That was one of the games where I was like, "Oh man, I wish I could have been there." And if you were wishing that you could have been there, just remember, I tried to tell you, man. I tried to get you to go, but no, you didn't want to listen. Shame on you. But if you're looking for another really exciting game to go to, uh, after the bye, the Green Bay Packers are going to be playing in San Francisco, California. Probably not going to be a picturesque snowfall, but it is California. Uh, tickets right now are nowhere near as expensive as the Chargers games. I mean, it's California. If you live out there, tickets are reasonable. Otherwise, I mean, it's going to be an expensive trip. But that is one of the things on my bucket list. I want to go to a Chiefs game because that looks like a fun environment. And I would love, love, love to be able to get out to California to watch the Packers play. Preferably a Rams game, but 49ers could be awesome as well. If you have any desire whatsoever, again, just download the Vivid Seats app. Just peruse. Maybe just start planting seeds now. Just, you know, talk to your wife about, man, we haven't really done anything in a while. We should go do something one of these days, like within a week. Like, we should we should take a vacation soon, don't you think? I mean, it's going to be a little bit awkward if you and your spouse both listen to the show. Probably won't sound as slick as you think, but, it, you know, try it out. Have you, have you ever been to California? I was just thinking, like, we could just go. We could totally just go. I don't know what we would do when we got there. I'm sure we could figure it out. I mean, San Francisco, there's got to be something to do there. And I don't know. I'm sure you'll figure it out from there. But whenever and however you figure out how to do this, and actually you could bake this into your sales pitch, be like, look, the tickets are about 200 bucks. But I know a guy. He can hook us up. Let me, let me, give, you, let me, let me give him a call. You know that podcast I listen to? He could probably give me a hookup on some tickets. And then just pretend to, like, call me, but really you just go on Vivid Seat, go to checkout, type in promo code OVERTIME, and be like, look, he can give us these tickets at a discount at this price. I mean, we should probably take it, man. This is a good deal. I'm not advocating lying, necessarily. I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to help you out. That's it, all right? You don't like my advice, don't, don't take it. I don't care. You do what you got to do. However you sell it, just remember promo code OVERTIME at checkout, and new users receive up to a $100 discount. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's the moment of truth. It's the time you've all been waiting for. It's the extravaganza bonanza. Don't tell me how to do my show, okay? If I want to drag this on for another 30 seconds, I'm just going to do it, okay? Because I don't know how to do this. I don't want to just be like the winner is boom. It's no fun. I mean, it's, it's been a big build up here. Got to make it awesome, right? And I think I'm doing a great job of that, so. All right. The winner of the Lombardi Trophy signed by Leroy Butler giveaway extravaganza is Instagram name. I'm called GPK known by his friends and family, as well as the Facebook group, as Kona. Congrats, big dog. Super happy for you. I was very glad when uh, when Jacob sent this to me, said this is the guy that I drew. He's like, I'm pretty sure he's in the Facebook group. I'm like, heck yeah, he is, man. I know Kona. No offense to everybody not in the Facebook group. I just get excited when people that I've kind of gotten to know a little bit win these prizes. It's not just some random person I've never heard of that jumped on to win some free stuff. Somebody that's been involved for some time, so... Congratulations, Kona. Super happy for you. Um, reach out. The rules still apply. I'm, I'm hoping you're going to hear this and jump on this, but the rules generally, you have three days to respond. Send uh, me a message on Instagram. Say, hey, I heard it, and here's my address, and we will get this shipped out to you. The only rule beyond that is you gotta you got to take a picture with it and share it around and be like, this is the greatest person ever. Should win Nobel Peace Prize. I don't know, you figure that part out, I just, you know, just take a picture of it and let us see it. Anyways, congrats to Kona. Congratulations also to me for doing a fantastic job on that giveaway. This was a successful unveiling. Go back to work. Go back to work. So the first thing I want to address, I guess, there's a lot of talk about how bad the defense was, and I, I absolutely get it. There's a lot of frustrating things that happened. I've already talked about Blake. Not super great. Kevin King, I have a hard time being upset with because he made some really big plays. But, man, I have never seen a corner with less agility in my life. He is just a, a giant tree. I don't know why everybody does it. If I was an offensive coordinator, I would just put a corner over or a wide receiver over by him, and he would just run curl routes all day long. Get, take the fastest wide receiver I have because you want Kevin King running real fast in the wrong direction and then just have him run a curl route. Because Kevin King will run 15 yards down the field, stumbling and falling over himself, trying to stop and come back and get the guy. He has zero ability to just stop and change direction. It's unbelievable to me. And as I've said, trying to run in a straight line and throw the ball over Kevin King, it's never going to happen. Right, that breakup in the end zone, that's Kevin King to a T. Best corner in the entire universe that has ever been on a go route. I, I, I stand by that 100%. If I could, you know, print off a trophy, I'd give it to him. I'd just send it to him right now. Like, best go-route corner in the universe that has ever been, ever will be. Try to fit the small small font. Also, giant trophy, because he's earned that, obviously. But let's try to keep a little bit in perspective here. The Carolina Panthers, through eight weeks, are averaging over 26 points per game. On average, the Packers' defense held them to 16 points. As frustrating as this whole bend-don't-break thing is, and as much as you wish they would just tighten up, 
They held the Carolina Panthers to 16 points. Now, holding any team to 16 points is awesome. But a team that's averaging over 26 points that very regularly is throwing up 30-plus points, in fact, they have a decent enough record. They have five wins, and I'm pretty sure just about all of those wins came when they scored points, scored over 30 points in a game. Beyond that, as good as Christian McCaffrey looked, this is the fourth lowest amount of yards he's rushed for all year. He ran for 108 yards. He ran for 127 against the Rams, 130 against this dynamite 49ers defense, 156 against the Titans, 173 against the Cardinals, 285 yards against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Elite, elite, elite running back ran for 108 yards. Oh, wow. And that was on 20 carries, by the way. Aaron Jones had 93 yards on 13 carries. Total yards was extremely high, and that's not great. Third highest amount of yards that the Carolina Panthers have had all year. It's not great. Allowing 281 passing yards is the second most passing yards the Carolina Panthers have had all year. But I don't want to sweep under the rug what the defense... So this defense that has struggled mightily against the run actually held up fairly well against arguably the best running back in football right now. I mean, they're talking about MVP talk with Christian McCaffrey. They, they showed the highlights of, of the last two times a running back won the MVP and said, basically, Christian McCaffrey's beaten both of them right now. It wouldn't be an, a, a horrible thing if he, I mean, and really, who else is going to win it? Who else is just tearing it up right now? Maybe if Lamar keeps going crazy, I think there's going to be a groundswell to try to give him an MVP. But I don't think he's done anything to this point. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is there. I don't think Kirk Cousins, obviously, is there, despite Vikings fans wanting him to be there. And they held him to 108 yards. That's a great effort. And by the way, a big part of that reason, because we know Blake didn't do a ton, Kenny Clark, great game. Tyler Lancaster was a monster. It wasn't perfect. There were a couple big runs. But overall, they they tightened up real good, like. I mean, ideally, you keep a guy under 100 yards, but it, if you would have told me going into this, Christian McCaffrey's going to get 108 yards on 20 carries, I'd have signed up for that that right that second. Like, dude, give me the papers, I'm signing it. So I, I get that we came into the game upset with the defense, and I think we kind of carried that on because things were not going great. But I don't think things were quite as bad, and I think they deserve a lot of credit for a lot of things. Something else the Packers' defense is very, very good at, it's not just goal line, it's third down. The Carolina Panthers were 4 of 10 on third down. This team, man, when, when, when the stakes are high, and this is one of the best things about this team, and even if they don't get better throughout a game, that is one attribute that is massively important because when are the stakes high? We're talking playoffs and we're talking Super Bowl, right? When the stakes are the highest on third down, on goal line situations, this defense is as good as it gets. Yeah, but between the 20s, they're, they just they can't stop anything. I mean, since Philadelphia, I mean, it's just been... Teams kind of do whatever they want at will whenever, doesn't matter. But you get them into a third down or you get within the 20, something just something just switches in their brains. And again, that's something Mike Pettin has talked about. I can't use the word, but there's a word that he uses that essentially talks about pass rushers and a kind of pass rusher that he wants, which is somebody that when he sees the quarterback or what he just, he, it, it, it's just blood in the water. There's just this hunt instinct that takes over. And man, that instinct kicks on for Preston and Zadarius like nothing I've seen. And Kenny was taking part in that today. And I think Dean Lowry, although he didn't show up quite as much, I'm going to talk about a couple things. He was in on it big time. Preston, Zadarius was in on just about every play. He didn't get the the stats quite like Preston did, but he was all over. These guys lived in the backfield. Preston, Zadarius, Kenny, Lowry. I mean, when you got Lancaster in the backfield, you know something's different. That man ain't built for the backfield. And then, of course, the one time he actually gets back there, he just punches the quarterback in the face for no reason. It's like, come, I never get an opportunity to hurt the guy. I don't care if the ball's on. I'm going to punch him in the mouth one time. Just just once. I just, just let me one time. So that was his contribution as far as pass rush goes. <laughs> oh, boy. And really, an, another awesome feature of this defense, although there are definitely guys that stand out. Zadarius, is, he just doesn't take a day off. Similar to what we see with the offense, there's so many guys with so much talent that it's not kind of like the old days where it was the defense is basically Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark and everybody else is just a disaster. We have problems with consistency. We have problems with guys taking plays off, guys taking days off, but there's so much talent distributed that different guys show up at different times. We saw Darnell show up. Granted, the, the, the biggest play he made all day got nullified by a penalty, but that was a, I mean, that was a game-winning play that he made. We saw Kenny show up. We saw Preston show up. We saw Zadarius show up. 
Amos made a pass breakup, followed by Tremont with an interception. We saw Dean Lowry show up. At separate times, we saw Kevin King show up. Jair looked like he had a bad day, but that's only because of the, the few times that somebody caught a ball. I'd be willing to bet those times when the ball wasn't thrown his way, he was in pretty tight coverage. It's not really an excuse to give up as many plays, but he didn't. The one good thing about Jair is he wasn't jumping routes. The one pass that I saw, I remember thinking, why didn't he make a better play on the ball? I, I get the impression that he's just tracking the guy like, look, I'm just going to bring him down. I'm not going to try to get in front of this and then miss and let him run for 20, 30 more yards down the field. So he's staying tight. Maybe he had a half-hearted swipe at where the ball might be, but really his goal, I'm going to jump on his back and bring him down. And the good thing in that, as much as it's like I, I miss old Jair that's breaking stuff up, and by the way, can you catch one of these interceptions, please? How many times have we seen him get his hands? Um, how many times have we seen him have a pass thrown to him to where he should have caught it? A long way of not saying what you want me to say. I'm not doing it. And he just doesn't catch it. He's had a lot of opportunities to catch those. But with the defense being as good as good as it is, bringing the guy down after a 15 to 20 yard catch and living to fight another day is going to be better than trying to jump the route and possibly giving up a 60 yard touchdown. Right? Just bring him down. You lost this one. Bring the defense back out because this defense lives on just give me another opportunity. Give me a shot for a sack. Give me another opportunity for a pick. Or just let's just let him get into the, you know, within 20-yard line and then then we'll do something cool. But I think live to fight another day needs to be somewhat of a mentality of this defense, especially if it's a 20-yard pass from their own 25 or something. Okay, so they're on the 45 now. That's not great, but, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. Just don't let them run down to the 2-yard line because then we're just kind of done. But, I mean, I set certain mile markers for the defense. Don't let them score 30 points. They didn't even get close to that. And then turnovers, and they had two turnovers in the game. The defense met all the mile markers. Yeah, they got a lot of yards. That's not great, and it it caused problems because it keeps our offense off the field with these sustained drives. It gives them more opportunities to score, tires out our defense more. It it puts us in a, a tough situation. But keeping the Panthers to 16 points and getting two turnovers, it's hard to nitpick beyond that. I mean, the, the, the narrative after you watch the game, or at least the, the thought process that most people probably came away with is the defense looked terrible, the offense was great. The, if you just saw the score, you would have said, man, it's a good thing the defense tightened up because the offense only put up 24. That's not a lot of points. San Francisco put up 51 points on them. The Rams put up 30. The Jaguars put up 27. The Buccaneers put up 26. The Packers in Lambeau put up 24. So, I mean, bottom line, it was a team effort. It wasn't just, well, you know, thankfully Aaron Rodgers was there to save the No, I thought he made a lot of mistakes. There were a lot of bad passes. There were several times when they're saying, I don't know why he didn't take the easy completion. But you know what? He he wasn't in that mode. And this is another great attribute of this team this year. We saw with the Chargers, the team looked like it kind of gave up. But in 2018, when things were going bad, everybody gave up, including Aaron Rodgers. And it looked like they just weren't trying anymore. And when things went bad, they just continued to spiral out of control. This team, when things go bad, they keep fighting. And I think if I were to pick a turning point moment for this game in which I said, okay, this is not like the Chargers game. This is different. And I'm going to look up the, I'm going to find out exactly what it was so I can be very accurate with this. It was the first drive after the half. I thought it was earlier in the game, but I finally found it. So let me, let me set this, set this up for you. Packers are already up 21-10. That's great. Obviously that's already different, but the Packers are starting first and 10 from the 25. The very first play of the half, Rodgers gets sacked for a 7-yard loss. It's second and 17. Rodgers completes a 16-yard pass, but it's negated by a penalty by David Bakhtiari. It's now second and 26 from the Green Bay Packers' 9-yard line. It's just feeling bad. right? The offensive line is getting penalties. Right after giving up a sack, right? What is going on with the offense? It's just, it looks terrible and you're feeling it slip away your feet this this is not normal this is not what the Packers usually do David Bakhtiari getting a hands to the face penalty come on after a big play the very next play second and 26 from the nine yard line Aaron Rodgers throws a 38 yard pass to Devontae Adams that is what we didn't see against the Chargers and it was especially awesome because it was Devontae Adams that did it. Because some, some of the narrative is, is he, not is he causing a problem. There's never a question about is he a good receiver or not. The question is, is it causing a problem to the point where Aaron Rodgers wants to throw him the ball so if they take him away, you know, what? I'm just saying there was a narrative that possibly it's causing conflict with Devontae being back to where the offense is having a hard time getting into a rhythm when he's on the team. Devontae Adams was the one that got them into a rhythm in the second half. Devontae Adams was the spark for the team. 
And if he wasn't on the team in, in this particular situation, maybe somebody else runs the same route and gets open and it's no big deal. But it was great to see that the Packers were starting to feel that way again. You were starting to feel that, oh no, here we go thing. And it was Devontae that sparked it. 38-yard pass. And it was a massive spark because right after that, Aaron Jones, the very next play, first and 10 from the Green Bay 47, Aaron Jones runs 28 yards down to the Carolina 25. After that, Jay Kumaro, 12-yard pass. 38-yard pass, 28-yard run, 12-yard pass. The very next play, Aaron Jones has a 13-yard run for a touchdown. They were done. It was it was over. A sack and a giant penalty back on the nine-yard line. Again, 2018 Packers, what happens? They're done. They give up. It's just that they, they, you can just feel the energy leave the team and just this, this pouting, moaning Aaron Rodgers and the whole team just with their head hanged low, everybody on the, on the sideline with their head down. That's what happens. This, that, that's what I became accustomed to. When things go bad, they go real bad. This is the start of the half. The Packers get the ball. We need a score. We need to stay out in front of this thing. And I lied. It wasn't 21-10. That was after the conclusion of the drive. It would have been 14-10. So they're, they're obviously very, very close. And if we don't get this, they come back at a touchdown. We're losing. And it's the start of the half. Right? I mean, if things start sliding out of control, not only are we going to lose, we're going to lose by a lot. So that, 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 was, that, that is the resiliency I'm talking about. The defense has it. The offense has it. When the chips are down, when things are bad, and, and you can just feel that the whole fan base is sitting there going, oh, here we go. Here we go. And what you don't expect is a 38-yard pass from Aaron Rodgers to Devon. We should expect it, but I, I personally have become accustomed to the idea that, no, it's just not going to happen. But what happened? The offensive line, after two really bad plays in a row, giving up a sack and having a penalty, Rather than pouting, what do they do? They hold their blocks perfectly because you don't throw a 38-yard pass when there's a, a, a pass rush bearing down on you in two and a half seconds. You need time. The offensive line and the wide receivers and tight ends, whoever was in block and the running backs, they gave Aaron Rodgers time. Devontae ran a great route. Matt LaFleur called a great play. Aaron Rodgers threw a great ball. Everything came down to everybody needs to execute if we're going to keep this thing alive everyone did. Not only did they bounce back on that play, but the next play and the next play and the next play, which resulted in a touchdown. There's plenty to nitpick about, but the ability of the team, in, in and particularly the defense, but the team as a whole to say, things are going real bad, but I'm not going to quit. Right? We just got a sack. I'm not going to quit. Then they come back and there's a penalty. It's frustrating, but I'm not going to quit. Bakhtiari didn't quit. The offensive line as a whole didn't quit. The running backs didn't quit. The wide receivers didn't quit. Aaron Rodgers didn't quit. 38-yard completion. There is no pouting on this team. There might be a little flare-up of frustration from Aaron Rodgers when somebody runs a wrong route and he starts yelling and swearing at him, which gets caught on camera. Danny Vitale. But they come back the next play and they execute. And the defense is the exact same. And it's, it's you know, when you hear that stuff about them in the locker room talking about, well, we're not shaken up by anything. That's, that's the truth. Because even when Ke- Kevin King's having somewhat of a down game and he's playing kind of poorly in this area or that area, guess what? He comes right back. When Zadarius had that horrible, horrible penalty at the end of the game, who was the one that got pressure? And and you knew 100%. You knew I knew Zadarius was getting through that line. He was going to make an impact. He didn't get a sack, but he was he was superhuman pushing through everybody to get after the quarterback because he personally made it his mission to make sure the Packers won that game. The defense came through, right? Big big gain from Christian McCaffrey. Guess what? They're going to keep fighting. You allow them to go all the way from their 19-yard line all the way down to the 5-yard line, and they still come up big. Let's talk about that drive. Carolina Panthers started at their own 8-yard line. Short run gets them into 2nd and 8, 11-yard pass to McCaffrey. It's frustrating. There was also a penalty on that play. It was declined, but that's also frustrating. The very next play, 24-yard pass to, uh, to DJ Moore. Jair gave that one up. It's frustrating. Very next play, a nine-yard run on first and ten from Christian McCaffrey. Then a six-yard run from Christian McCaffrey. Incomplete pass makes it second and ten. There's a nine-yard run from Christian McCaffrey, putting him in what should have been short, but he fumbled it, got recovered first down. They're on the Green Bay 26. The very next play, 15-yard pass. This is a a slaughter. Every play is 10-15 yards. The defense is getting embarrassed. The only time things get slowed down is when the quarterback throws an incomplete, which is what happened the next play. First and 10, incomplete pass from the 11-yard line. They have done nothing. The defense has done nothing to stop this offense. Not a single thing. Second and 10 from the Green Bay 11. Throws a pass into the end zone, tipped by Adrian Amos, intercepted by Tremont Williams. They just keep coming. They just keep going and going and going. They don't stop. 
The very next drive, the Carolina Panthers did get a touchdown. And then the Packers had to punt. Carolina gets the ball back. What do you think is going to happen? Did the defense quit? No. Five plays punt. They went eight yards. Defense tightened up. Packers punt again. What is the defense going to do? 18 plays starting at the Carolina 11. Right at the very, very, very end, they tightened up. So, yeah, there's there's some frustrating stuff. I wish they didn't give up 15-yard passes. I wish they didn't give up 24-yard passes. I wish every run wasn't nine yards. But there, there is a difference between this defense and the old Dom Capers defense. And I, whether you want to say it's players or, or defensive coordinator or whatever it is, there's no question there's a difference. There is this, this energy, there, there's a mentality, there's a unity. The old Ben Don't Break Dom Capers was just, it, it's, as politely as I can say it, it was just a completely inept defense that didn't care and then was trying as hard as they could to just stop you before you got in. And really, it was... It, it was bend and break. They tried to be bend, don't break, but it didn't work. This is a team that's got a couple, they've, they've got some flaws, no question, but they don't quit. The only reason they're 8-2 and two is because they don't quit. And I don't know about you, but it, it makes me just really excited for the team. It's what makes it hard to try to put guys down that didn't play well because they didn't quit. They didn't give up. Last year, they gave up. And they, I mean, they gave up after the first drive. If they had a, a drive on the first possession that was a three and out it was over the game was over because Aaron Rodgers was just frustrated he hated the the offense he hated everything he was frustrated everybody fed off Aaron Rodgers the wide receivers were for everybody was just frustrated and, and they they you know without officially quitting in their mind they gave up in their mind they decided we lost this team never thinks it's, it's it lost again second and 26 from the Green Bay nine there didn't seem to be a feeling from this offense that, well, this is not going, you know, we're done. No, they just went out and executed. Second and 26, no big deal. Boom, 38-yard pass. There's a lot of stuff to iron out if, if it's going to be a, a playoff team, if it's, they're going to be a Super Bowl champion team. But one of the most important attributes is a team that doesn't quit and just keeps coming. And they got that in spades. And that's the reason they're 8-2. and two. It's, it's Preston and Zedarius on third down. It's the DBs in the end zone with all their interceptions, which I think somebody tweeted out yesterday. They, you know, end zone interceptions. The Packers are are ahead of everybody. It's Aaron Rodgers coming up with big plays on on third downs. It's it's the number of different wide receivers that are getting involved, which is another awesome thing that happened in this game. It wasn't just let's try to force it to Devontae, force it to Devontae. No, he spread the ball out to everybody. I mean, obviously, Devontae was the guy. Seven receptions, 118 yards on 10 targets. But it wasn't just a, you know, we got to force it to Devontae all day long. Alan Lazard had three receptions. Geronimo had three receptions. Jimmy had two receptions. Kumaro had two receptions. Vitaly, Jamal, and Marquez were all targeted. Nobody caught a pass. But the distribution is there. So, very, very exciting. Uh, let's take our second break. We'll look at a couple other just general stats and things. Uh, Next Gen Stats has got some cool stuff, and uh, we'll close with that. So another week of my bookie is in the books. Obviously, betting on the Packers would have done you a lot of good. I also mentioned that um, that Bears-Lions game, the under, even though it was very low, would probably have been a good bet, and it absolutely was. Total points in that game was 33. I think they had it set at 39. And like I said, both teams scoring 20 points seems kind of unlikely. And we had the Bears getting exactly 20. Detroit couldn't quite get there. If you want to look ahead to next week, they already got all that, the spread and the totals up for those. Uh, Vikings obviously are massive favorites over the Denver Broncos, rightly so, although 10 points is pretty steep. Bears are massive underdogs against the Rams. However, let's not forget, we got a big game coming up today. So uh, San Francisco, big time favorites, six points, they're minus six. Over-under set at 47 and a half. And I, you know, again, I'm, I'm not... I'm going to sit back and just enjoy the fact that one of these teams is going to lose, which is going to be awesome for the Green Bay Packers. I'm not super invested in it, but I just would say that I'm. I, it's pretty much a coin toss in my mind between who's going to win, whether it's the Seahawks or the 49ers. Either way, I would definitely encourage you to check it out if you're at all interested in that kind of stuff. Regardless of what it is you want action on, they've absolutely got it. And that includes the player props that come up on, I believe, Sunday. But now is a very good time to get involved. Sign up at mybookie.ag. Use promo code OVERTIME. They're going to match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000, which means if you deposit two grand, you're going to get $1,000 in free money to play with. Use promo code OVERTIME to activate the offer. Again, promo code OVERTIME to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so just running through the statistics here. Aaron Rodgers, 17 of 29, 233 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. It feels like he had a better day than that, but he didn't. A lot of his success was on the ground. Um, the completion percentage wasn't bad, 59-ish percent. Aaron Jones, though, 13 carries, 93 yards, three touchdowns, 7.2 yards per carry. is abs- I mean, everything about that is, is mind-blowing. Uh, Jamal also had a real good day, also had 13 carries, so they split 50-50. Jamal did have a lot of time out there, but 63 yards, 4.8 yards per carry. I mean, if it was just Jamal and Aaron Jones didn't play, it'd be like, dude, Jamal is so good. There'd be people talking about, is he as good as Aaron Jones? All that stuff. But we had Aaron Jones playing, so you can see the contrast in in live action. It's just, I mean, it's, it's I, I haven't gone through every single team, so I can't say 100%, but I would be pretty surprised to find out there's a better running back duo in, in football right now. Just because Aaron Jones is flat out one of the best running backs in football, to imagine a better running back with a better complement than Jamal Williams, I got a real hard time believing that's a thing. Uh, I went through the receivers a little bit, seven receptions, 118 yards for Devontae, uh, two receptions, 59 yards for Jimmy. I think Jimmy had a pretty good day. Of all the guys I mentioned yesterday that were going to, you know, shut my mouth for me, Jimmy wasn't perfect, but he was right on. I, I almost tweeted it out when he got that touchdown, but then that touchdown got overturned. But I, I thought he had a good day. He was he was a, a violent blocker. Speaking of, Jay Sternberger was out there quite a bit. I think he was quite, we'll see what happens when the grades come out. I think he was quietly a pretty impactful player. I, I watched him when I saw him on the field. He looked like he was doing a great job blocking. I saw him cut out into the flat a couple times, and I was screaming, like, throw it to him. I just want to see him make a play. You know, he's open in the flat, but he, you know, Rogers uncorked it to somebody else down the field. I, I think he's going to start getting mixed in a lot more. I think, you know, he, he was, his whole thing is he's a good receiver. He's not a good blocker. He, he looked like he was doing a real good job blocking. So I'm, I'm excited to see more of him and what he's going to do in the future. Um, Alan Lazard, another pretty impactful day coming up big. Uh, that one play that they said wasn't a catch, whatever, ended up being a punt. I, I don't know, whatever. Three receptions, 27 yards um, on six targets. So he was targeted a lot. Second most targets uh, behind Devontae Adams with 10. And then Jay Kumaro, two receptions, 23 yards on two targets. Geronimo, three targets, three receptions, six yards. Otherwise, Danny Vitale, Jamal Williams, Marquez were all targeted once with zero receptions. Marquez is slowly just being phased out. I mean, it's like he's got his one thing that he does, and it's just not working. Right? He's he's the Jordy Nelson deep post, but it's not working. Right? The the I mean, part of it is Aaron Rodgers not getting the ball where it needs to be. Part of it is definitely Marquez just not being as good as people want him to be. But it's just. You know, it's, it's becoming pretty rapidly a, a more or less dink and dunk offense. And even on big plays, you know, it's Jimmy, it's Devontae, it's, you know, it's, it's just kind of, we just don't need them. And, and, and again, the, the benefit of the offense is different guys show up at different times. So I'm not saying forget Marquez because next week or two weeks from now, he'll be the one that steps up and gets four receptions for 120 yards and a touchdown. So I'm not saying I don't want him. He's, a, he's a, one of the pieces, but it's just, he's not a vital piece of the offense. Aaron Jones is vital. Devontae's vital. The offensive line pieces are vital. Aaron Rodgers is vital. Marquez is a guy. Like Geronimo, like Kumaro, like Lazard, like Jimmy Graham. He's a guy. And he's slowly working his way down to the bottom of the totem pole to where Lazard is above him. You know, I don't know if I would say Geronimo is. He had a better day this week. I feel like I haven't seen him since like week two. So I, I don't know. I'm just saying. Not saying. Just saying. Uh, one forced fumble on the day. Compliments of Mr. Ibrahim Campbell. Well done. Good to see him. Montrevious had the one fumble recovery. Lots and lots of pass deflections. It was a pretty good day for that. Tremont had one as well as an interception. Adrian Amos had one, which resulted in an interception. Kevin King had two pass deflections. Montrevious had one. Yes, Montrevious. And Jair had one. So lots of hands on footballs. Thank you very much. Tackles, Kevin King had the most tackles. This is one of those deceptive things where you look at it like, ooh, that's it. No, tackles are not... It seems like whoever wins the tackle thing is the worst player on the team, and I don't mean to say that, you know, negative about Kevin King, but the reason he had so many tackles is because he gave up so many of those quick passes and he ended up tackling the guy. Not always, but a lot of times that's why, and that's why he led the team in tackles. Uh, Blake only had six. 
Should have had more, but he missed probably five tackles, so there you go. Jair also had six for pretty similar reasons. I saw him miss several tackles, which is very frustrating. A lot of that whole flying missile thing where they just miss, right? Darnell did that. He missed the sack because he came in like a heat-seeking missile. There was a lot of talk about their quarterback being like super elusive, and on that one spin move, that was pretty good, but the, the Darnell Savage thing was him coming in hot, and quarterback more or less just sidestepped him, like, gonna go this way a little bit. Uh, sacks, Preston Smith had two. Uh, Tyler Lancaster was credited with one. I'm curious to see what PFF had to say because they usually give credit, a little bit more credit. Tackles for a loss, Kevin King had one. Preston had two. Kenny Clark had one. Tyler had one. Uh, Mason Crosby, one of one for 47 yards. He did miss that one, but, you know, whatever. Three for three on extra points. J.K. Scott, I mean, another example of exactly what I've been talking about this whole time. The guy had a terrible terrible start to the day he booted like two 30 yard kicks just just the worst but when the game started getting important and we're getting closer to the end of the game and we need a real good boot from him he boots the living daylights out of the ball and pins him back on like the eight yard line so overall not a good day four punts averaged 35.3 yards but he did pin two inside the 20 as long as was only 41 yards so maybe i exaggerated a bit when i said he booted the heck out of the ball but he, he booted it where it needed to be right inside the 20 fantastic kick so another example of really would like more consistency but when the game's on the line when it matters is when they seem to step up the most a couple other little interesting things via next gen stats big props to preston smith who uh, was 12th this week in fastest sack got to the quarterback in 3.33 seconds aaron Rodgers made the list of most improbable completions he ranked 16th with his 37 yard uh, reception 37 yard pass to uh, Devonte Adams, 27.9% uh, completion probability, and then Jimmy Graham made the list for incredible yards after the catch. On his 48-yard reception, he had an expected yards after the catch of 15 yards. He ended up getting 28 yards on that. So Jimmy Graham fighting for an extra 13 yards. He's a big man, man. He's hard to bring down. Some other interesting little tidbits here. Um, if it seemed like Aaron Rodgers was sitting in the pocket looking for deep throws a lot, it's because he was. He tied Josh Allen for longest time to throw, or excuse me, third longest time to throw. Kirk Cousins, 3.02 seconds. Gardner Minshew, 2.95 seconds. Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers, 2.9 seconds he was sitting in the pocket. That's just a little bit too long, man. And actually, I did that wrong because apparently it resets. That's for the year. So all year he's been doing that, and that's annoying. also thought it was weird I was reading off players like Gardner Minshew that I thought weren't playing this week. However, this week was no different. He was third in sitting in the pocket, 3.08. He's in the pocket for over three seconds. Time to throw. Over three seconds before he throws the ball. Only four quarterbacks were over three seconds. Dak Prescott, 3.24, which is ridiculous. Kyler Murray, 3.09. Ryan Finley, 3.06. So that's not great. As far as Rodgers constantly trying to throw deep down the field, we got some numbers to support it. Intended air yards. So when he throws the ball, how deep is the receiver? Whether it's caught or not, how far is he intending to throw the ball? Does that make sense? Ryan Tannehill, 13.1. Philip Rivers, 12.9. Dak Prescott, 12. Aaron Rodgers, 11.8. On average, he's trying to throw the ball basically 12 yards down the field every single time he throws the ball. I mean, it's fine because it seems to be working, but again, once in a while, just throw the, just check it down, man. Five-yard completions are, are solid, especially on first down. And here's the biggest problem. They, they've got what they call average um, air yard differential, which is to say, how far down the field are you actually completing passes? How far down the field are you trying to complete passes? Aaron Rodgers, by basically a wide margin, had the worst air yard differential of anybody, a negative 5.3. Now, you can't have a positive air yard differential because that would mean you're completing passes farther than what you're intending to. That doesn't even make sense. But he's intending to throw balls 12 yards down the field. He's actually completing passes 6.5 yards down the field. So he's dead last in that. In other words, he's, he's trying really hard to throw it deep down the field, and it's not working. Maybe cool it. I don't know. Uh, Rodgers had the fifth longest completion, 46.2 yards. That's through the air. Maybe you saw a highlight of somebody getting 80 yards. Yeah, that's because somebody caught it and ran 60. Some really, really exciting things as we switch over to rushing leaders. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So we already went over the stats as far as who had the most, you know, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams did a fantastic job of getting a lot of yards, right? So on here, they, they have what percentage of times when you ran the ball did you face eight defenders in the box? In third place is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb faced an eight-man box 35% of the time. 
In second place, Jamal Williams faced an eight-man box 46.15% of the time. Who do you think is in first place? Aaron Jones had an eight-man box 70% of the time, 69.23. We're calling it 70. Seven out of ten times when he ran the ball, he was running it against an eight-man box, and he had over seven yards of carry. The the highest, again, the highest percentage of any non-packer to face an eight-man box was Nick Chubb and Brian Hill at 35%. 35. Literally 50% of the amount of time that Aaron Jones faced an eight-man box. 70 compared to 35, and Jamal was second with nearly 50%. Which is, I mean, if you want to understand the success of this team, or at least in this game, the fact that the Packers are able to pass the ball has a lot to do with the fact that when Aaron Jones is lined up, they're in an eight-man box. You better be able to throw when they're coming out in an eight-man box because essentially they were daring the Packers to throw, saying, I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can, you can manage this. Well, the Packers did, as well as Aaron Jones did. We're going to run anyways, and they ran very successfully. Props to the offensive line for blocking up an eight-man box because the numbers are stacked against you. Great job by Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams running against an eight-man box. Unbelievable. That's crazy. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams both uh, made the time behind the line of scrimmage. In other words, the least time amount behind the line of scrimmage. Christian McCaffrey was number one. Derrick Henry, J.D. McKissick, and then Aaron Jones, and then Jamal Williams. They tied at 2.62 seconds behind the line of scrimmage. They were both tied for fourth. That is to say they get north and south real quick. They're not messing around. They just go. And that's important because a lot of times, especially early on in the year, they're trying to get this outside zone thing going. They're spending a lot of time trying to get to the outside, and it allows the defense and the linebackers to crash down and tackle behind the line of scrimmage. They're not messing around anymore. They get north and south instantly. Uh, Not surprisingly, they both did very well on their yards per attempt. Derrick Henry was actually number one with 8.2. Aaron Jones was second with 7.2. And Jamal was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, seventh with 4.8. So we had two top 10 running backs in yards per carry. They were also number uh, one and two in eight-man boxes. Aaron Jones also led the league in uh, rushing touchdowns with three. Derrick Henry had two. Nobody else had more than one. In fact, there were only seven with one. So (laughs) there were 12 rushing touchdowns. Aaron Jones accounted for three of them. Some pretty special stuff going on here. Uh, looking at the receivers, uh, two guys were relatively high in targeted air yards, so if you're curious who Aaron Rodgers is throwing to deep down the field, it was Devontae and Lazar. Uh, Devontae, when he was targeted, 15.7 yards down the field was the average. Alan Lazard, 15.5. So those are the two guys Rodgers is consistently chunking it to deep down the field. Uh, as far as a percentage, Devontae Adams was sixth with a percentage of air yard. So almost half of the throws, half of the yards that Aaron Rodgers threw for went to Devontae Adams, if that makes any sense. So he's still trying to force Devontae. He's still trying to throw it deep down the field. So that the whole thing about he's not doing that anymore, no, he still did it. It just was a little bit more successful this week. And there was a decent amount of balance with the run and a couple shorter passes. But um, this is only going to encourage Aaron Rodgers to want to do it more. <laughs> so let's hope it keeps working. Uh, Devontae was 7th in total yards at 118. And then lastly, a few of these highlights from the game, kind of comparing their team to our team. Longest completed pass, Aaron Rodgers, 46.2 compared to Kyle Allen's 34.4. The fastest ball carry, and this is this happens consistently, and it just really goes to show because people get obsessed with 40 times. Christian McCaffrey was the fastest ball carrier for the Panthers at 18.84 miles per hour. He wasn't the fastest ball carrier, though. The children have awoken. The fastest ball carrier was Devontae Adams, 18.9 miles per hour. So again, 40 time isn't irrelevant. Go watch um, go watch Tyreek Hill and understand why the 40 time isn't irrelevant. But it also isn't as important as we think. We just see, tend to think, well, you're a tenth of a second faster than somebody. You should just be able to blow past them, which is kind of ridiculous if you think about it. It's almost the exact same um, amount of speed. If two people are running next to each other and somebody finishes one-tenth of a second after, they're, they're basically stride for stride, right? But anyways, Devontae was the fastest guy on the field with the ball in his hand. Fastest sack, Vernon Butler, 4.1 seconds. Preston Smith, 3.3 seconds. Looking at the average receiver separation, this is another thing that's constantly been said about the Packers is they don't separate. However, every time I look at next-gen stats, that's never really the case. Granted, this is separation upon a completion, so it's possible these guys are never getting open, and then once in a while, just boom, you're wide open. I don't know. But either way, the league average is 2.83 yards of separation. 
The Carolina Panthers only had one guy that surpassed the league average. That was Greg Olson, 3.59. Otherwise, DJ Moore was 2.16. Uh, Curtis Samuel, 2.38. Jarius Wright, 2.12. The Packers, out of five receivers, only had two that were under the 2.83. One was Devontae Adams at 2.61. One was Alan Lazard, 2.52. Geronimo Allison was 3.94, which is basically an entire yard above the average. Jimmy Graham was 5.42 yards of separation on average, and Jake Kumaro 9.21 yards of separation. So they were getting some separation. Um, and then finally, another really awesome thing, uh, they, they have a pass rush. On average, how much separation did you have from the quarterback at the time he threw the ball? On average, defenders are about four and a half yards away from the quarterback when he throws the ball. Mario Addison was the only defender for the Carolina Panthers that was below that. He was at 4.46, so he was right at about the average. Gerald McCoy was 4.81. Don Terry Poe was 6.23 yards away. And Irvin, whoever that is, is 6.85 yards away. I don't know how you get that far away from the quarterback. You have to be going backwards a little bit. Now, if you look at the Packers, they got four guys highlighted. Zadarius, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, and Preston Smith. All four of them were below 4.5 yards on average when the quarterback threw the ball. Zadarius Smith was 4.26 yards away on average. Kenny Clark was only four yards away at the time he threw the ball. Dean Lowry was 3.77 yards away, and Preston Smith was 3.69 yards away on average. And that's just those four. I don't know where everybody else was. It's possible there was another guy, but the, the defensive front was all over the quarterback all day long. So again, lots of really positive things across the board here. Everything worked. The, the running game is has got to be one of the most impressive things. The success, and I know the Panthers are bad against the run. I get that. But when you have Luke Keekley and you have Gerald McCoy, and you have an eight-man box, I'm going to go ahead and give Jamal and Aaron Jones some credit for having that much success against an eight-man box because that's ridiculous. But anyways, great day, 8-2. and two. Vikings won. That stinks. Whatever. They're probably going to win again this week. That'll bring them to 8-3, and three, which is going to put the screws to the Packers to really feel the need to win. Granted, if they don't, they're just 8-3, and three, but it's a very, very tight race. But the Packers are in a fantastic position. And, you know, at the end of the day, even if the Vikings win the division, and I'm not projecting that they will, I don't think that they will, but even if they do, there's a real good... What, what, what ultimately matters is getting into the playoffs. Obviously, home field advantage and all that stuff is within grasp, and we want that. But at the end of the day, get into the playoffs. And from there, we'll just see what happens. That's that's ground zero. That's where everything starts over. Just get in, and you know everybody's got a shot from there. And they're in a fantastic position. It's 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 getting to be borderline unlikely they don't make it into the playoffs. I, I should. That's a ridiculous statement. It's absolutely unlikely. It's borderline impossible. We're getting close to that point where it's just it's going to happen. But anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.